Welcome to The Positive Sip, stories about life, leadership, and Mississippi. I'm your host, Dr. Regina Hyatt. This episode, you'll hear a special Mississippi story and my reflections on leadership. So let's begin. Welcome to Mississippi Stories. I am very excited today to have two incredible former students with us on the Positive Sip. Shelby Baldwin and Calvin Waddy are doing literally incredible things with their local business. Shelby, Calvin, we're so excited to have you visiting with us today. Yeah, we're so excited to be here. Thank you. Super excited for this. So I would love if you would both tell us about your hometowns and what you love best about them. This is Mississippi Stories, so we want to hear about the places that you grew up. Calvin, why don't you start? Okay, yeah, sure. So originally I'm from Atlanta, Georgia, but I moved to Madison, Mississippi about when I was in ninth grade. So the main thing that I love about Mississippi is the people, and and Madison specifically is the people. Coming from Atlanta, I was getting ready to start my high school journey there. So you can imagine, you know, I'm, I'm excited about it, and then find out that we have to move to Mississippi. And uh, I wasn't too stoked about that, and I think I wore my feelings on my sleeves a bit. So I was very standoffish in high school, and people that I would come in contact with just had something, it was something about them that they just really were accepting of me. And that was people in my high school, people in my church, even some of the neighbors were very accepting and loving and, and, and welcomed us into the community. And I think that made the transition from Atlanta to Mississippi so much more simple and easy for me and my family. And that's the one thing that I say is the, the people of Madison are incredible and amazing and, and made me feel right at home. Yeah, I'm actually from Ridgeland, Mississippi, so not too far from Madison. And I actually, you know, lifelong Mississippian, grew up in Mississippi, was born here. So I feel like I kind of have this or had the same mindset that a lot of other young Mississippians probably have, which was just that Mississippi, you know, was so far behind and backwards and broken and I needed to get out as soon as I could. But as I've gotten older and traveled more from all over the country and even internationally, I've kind of realized that I took my hometown for granted. I mean, Mississippi is so much more than what meets the eye and more than what people that aren't from here, you know, like to poke fun at. (laughs) It's rich in diversity in every way. And it's focused on, you know, community and hope and family. And it's, it's not too busy. It's not too fast paced or uppity. People really just have each other's backs here, no matter where you are or who you are. And, you know, we we have our problems, but every place does. And there are so many people here, especially young people, that are willing to be rooted here and fight for change to make our problems better. And I saw and felt all of that growing up in Ridgeland and just the greater Jackson area as a whole. And looking back, I wish I would have appreciated it more when I was living there. Thank you so much for sharing those stories and appreciate your perspectives, particularly about what Mississippi means to you now as well. So you both went to Mississippi State as undergraduates, and you started several businesses while you were here, including your rocketing systems business. And you've won all kinds of entrepreneurship awards as a result of your efforts, both while you were students and then now in your business that you have today. 
So why did y'all decide to build your business here? And specifically, why did you decide to stay in Starkville to do that after college? Right. Well, I'll just start off by saying that for those who may not know what the Mississippi State Entrepreneurship Center is, in a few words, the center is meant to help new entrepreneurs start companies and help you build relationships with peers and other successful entrepreneurs. And they teach you how to master essential skills to assess your market that you're operating in and just how to operate a business in general. And so the people at the E-Center, Eric Hill, Jeffrey Rupp, Brooke Lambert, these people really take the time to mentor you and really care about what you're building, the company that you're building, the, the startup that you're building. And most of the awards that Rocketing Systems has won has been because of Eric Hill. And Eric Hill is the director of the Entrepreneurship Center. He spent countless hours with us building and perfecting our pitch deck, connecting us with great opportunities, most of them which led to the rewards that we won. And so for me, being connected to the Entrepreneurship Center was something that I wanted to prioritize as much as possible, which made staying in Mississippi you know, a no-brainer and, and close to the university a no-brainer for me. Yeah, I echo all of that. I think the East Center was a huge deciding factor in our decision. We would not be where we are today or even really have a business if it weren't for the East Center at Mississippi State. So quick plug for them to any students that might be interested in starting a business. But I think another thing that affected our decision is, you know, speaking for both of us kind of, I think we honestly used to think that since we were a tech startup, we needed to be somewhere that had like a bigger, more bustling city, like more of a tech hub. But I guess that we realized two main things that kind of changed our minds. One is that with the way society is going, you don't necessarily have to be in a big city to be successful because so much of the work is already remote. And that was happening before COVID, but COVID-19 just accelerated it even more. And so now you can meet and work with investors, developers, employees, and even co-founders if needed from completely different places. So there was really no need to move to be closer to more people. And then the second thing is that the big cities don't make it easier for a startup a lot of times. They actually make it harder. If you think about places like New York or Silicon Valley, it's super cutthroat. Everyone is fighting to get to the top. It's overcrowded, and everyone is like a small fish in this huge overcrowded pond. But in a place like Mississippi, it's more laid back, it's community-based, and the entrepreneurial ecosystem is still growing. So we have people that really want us to succeed and are helping us get there, whether it's the Entrepreneurship Center or Innovate Mississippi and Jackson and they're really helping us and other entrepreneurs are helping us instead of trying to beat us out and we have the potential to really help the tech ecosystem grow here so that was kind of our main motivation in staying in Mississippi thank you awesome both of you were undergraduate students at Mississippi State and you were both super involved in student life and made so many contributions in the leadership positions that you served in what do you believe about leadership? Yeah, being involved in leadership organizations at MSU was the best decision I made in college other than starting my business. <laughs> being a part of undergraduate women in business, SA cabinet, New Maroon Camp. I mean, there are so many organizations that really taught me so much in a way that I never really thought was even possible as a freshman. And the biggest ideas that I learned about leadership in general is that it doesn't look the same for everyone. I used to think that 
to be a good leader, you always had to take charge of everything and be in control. You had to be talking and directing and pointing people around. And yes, that style of leadership works for some people in some situations, but that's not the only good leadership. You can lead by serving in the background. You can lead by showing empathy and building relationships. You can lead by letting others lead and building those people up. There are so many different forms of leadership that could fit anyone. And that kind of goes into my second belief about leadership, which is kind of more from a student sense, since you did bring up Mississippi State. I think that every college student should jump into a leadership position at some point in college. I just strongly believe that every single person can benefit from it. These campus organizations help you learn so much about yourself and your values and your strengths. I mean, I was a completely different person coming out of college than I was when I started college. And even from the beginning of my senior year to the end of my senior year, I changed so much and learned so much about myself. And I've been able to apply that self-awareness and those life lessons to my career and my post-college experiences. So leadership in college is really so crucial to your growth as an individual. So I hope that any student that's listening to this will try to get involved whenever and wherever they can. For me, my answer is going to be a little different in the fact that it's not as polished as Shelby. Over the past week or so, I have been watching a show called Survivor for the first time. I actually never watched it before. (laughs) The show is, if you know the show, it's just getting to the end of challenges and being kind of the winner and sole survivor of this little community that, that you're in. And there's always somebody in there that's trying to be a leader and lead the community. And it never works out for that person, or it rarely works out for that person because their leadership style seems to be more bossy. You go get this, you go do that, and so on and so forth. And I think that's kind of a monolith for how people kind of lead in, in real life. Sometimes it's more, so what can what can these people do for me? Whereas what I believe leadership is, is you, you got to be a servant leader. And I learned that at Mississippi State in the organizations that I worked for and led in some cases. If you're not leading by example and, and serving the people that you're actually leading, then you're not doing it right in, in my in my estimation. So being a servant leader is, is a, a philosophy a way to live life and it works in companies it works in organizations it can work in your family so that's kind of what i think is the most important aspect of being a leader calvin i really appreciate you sharing the point about survivor and this idea that sometimes we learn about leadership from what doesn't work as much as we learn about leadership from what does so i really appreciate you sharing that and I love the Survivor reference. I haven't watched it in a in a couple of years. I need to pick that back up again. <laughs> it's a good show. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm most excited. There's a new show coming out about people and their dogs that go on adventures, kind of like the Amazing Race, but with your dog. So I'm real excited about that one. That's perfect for you, Doctor Hyatt. That's right. That's right. Me and Dexter <laughs> are gonna apply for next time. Um, what keeps you both encouraged and motivated to pursue your dreams and, and really want to ask about, you know, you both have done so much outreach to your other fellow entrepreneurs and especially other students that are coming along 
I've seen both of you on social media and other podcasts and other places that you've talked about sort of helping out others. And Shelby, you mentioned that a little bit about the atmosphere in Mississippi being very supportive of new entrepreneurs. So talk a little bit about why that's important to you both. I think that's super important to us. And that's definitely one of the things that the Entrepreneurship Center kind of encouraged because it was very peer to peer in a lot of ways. But the idea about motivation that I have, I think it kind of applies to that. And I actually got this a motivation idea from a fitness trainer that I follow on Instagram, but it can really apply to anything, including business. And what he says is, you know, a lot of people are always asking, like, how do I get motivated? Why can't I stay motivated? And they kind of treat motivation like it's some magic wave that just kind of comes and hits you out of nowhere. So people will just sit around and wait to feel motivated. And if they don't feel motivated, they just get disappointed and the feeling just kind of repeats. So there's this view that the order of life is motivation hits you, then you do the work, and then you get the results. But what I've learned is that it usually doesn't work that way. In order to feel motivated, you usually have to do work and get results first, and then that is what's going to motivate you. So you have to choose to take action even when you're not motivated because it's all on you. And that's the most motivating thing because your results are completely in your hands and you get to decide what happens in your life. And that totally applies to business. I mean, I'm motivated to keep going in business because I've seen what we accomplished so far and I want to get more of that. I mean, I never in a million years thought that I would have founded a tech company and even had the little success that we've had. And those results motivate me to work even harder. And they also motivate me to help other entrepreneurs because I'm always telling people, you know, just start what you're doing. Like, just start your idea. Don't sit around and wait till you feel like it's going to be perfect because the more you start, the more passionate you're going to be about it and the more motivation you're going to have. So I think that's why Calvin and I are always telling people, whether it's on podcasts or on social media, you know, we're always trying to give advice and tell people just to start with what they have in their head because a lot of people probably have millions of dollars in their head, but they just never act on it. And that's like the number one thing that we always want to tell people to do. So that's kind of where I stand on it. Yeah, I think for me, when I'm when I'm talking to new entrepreneurs or, or trying to mentor where I can, I'm always trying to preach like being passionate about the problem that you're solving. So while I was in college, I started a few different companies and the E-Center and Eric Hill can attest to how they failed miserably. And it was because I wasn't necessarily passionate about the problem that I was solving. I, I had watched Shark Tank a few times. I'd seen over Instagram people starting businesses and, and making money passively. And I said, I, I can do that and I want to do that. But I flamed out because there's a, a valley of death that you go through as a entrepreneur. And when times get really hard and seems like you can't figure your way out of a, a problem. You have to be passionate about your business that you're building, about the problem that it's solving. And if you are passionate about it, that's going to carry you through. Um, not to say that all businesses and all startups are going to succeed. In fact, 90% of them fail. But it's it's just going to help you get further along in your journey. And when you're solving the problems and your, your customers are feeling the impact of that, it kind of sparks a fire under you and like Shelby says it makes you want to continue doing what you're doing to affect those people so that, that that's my biggest thing when I'm mentoring new entrepreneurs love that thank you so I know you both have sort of a favorite quote or a life's mantra that you 
sort of use or put up on the bathroom window. Love to know what that is for each of you and why that resonates. Right. So I think my my favorite uh, quote actually comes from scripture, and it's better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. And I think in today's age, you know, people are, some people can just be so aggressive and some people can have that warrior mentality is I, I got to win. I got to win. I got to win. I got to, I got to be that warrior. And I feel like sometimes that could be at the detriment of that person. So I was taught at a very young age that you got to be patient. You got to be a patient person. You got to be willing to listen, be an active listener. Don't be somebody who's, you know, who's constantly in control of the conversation the whole time because that affects your life and that affects how people view you. And if you can be a patient person, Nine times out of ten, you're going to affect people differently than you would if you were a warrior and always trying to be in control. So I think that's that's the scripture that I like to live my life by. And like I said, I was taught from a very young age that, and I try to embody that every day. I love that as well. And I, I kind of have different favorite quotes in seasons. <laughs> they kind of change out depending on what I'm going through and kind of the affirmation that I need at the moment. But my favorite one as of now and recently, it's actually something that our attorney said in a call a couple of weeks ago. We were on the phone with her and we were talking about some stressful things, you know, C-corporations and stocks and valuations and cap tables. It's all very overwhelming, especially for people that are kind of new to this. And we were telling her kind of how stressed out we were. And she said something along the lines of, you just have to make the choice to succeed your way out of it. And I think that quote, is honestly sums up our entrepreneurship journey so well because <laughs> the two me and Calvin and then our third co-founder Brandon we've had our backs up against the wall so many times along this entrepreneurship journey I mean we've we've pivoted from selling women's fashion clothing to software we've you know had gone up into all these stressful pitches and really had to perform well I mean there's been so many times where we felt like we were never going to come out on top and we just had to choose to work as hard as we could and succeed our way out of it. And so I literally have that quote written on a sticky note on my computer, which is a little bit different than the bathroom mirror, but same concept. And um, I love that quote, and I kind of think about it every day when I start to get overwhelmed. So I think that's the one that I use for my entrepreneurship perspective, at least. Calvin, Shelby, thank you so much for sharing both of those. And, and just interesting note there, I think it's important, Shelby, you said this came from your attorney. This is somebody that you obviously work with and and know on a personal level. And I think one of the things that is really important about that is we pick up these nuggets from all the people in our lives, right? We don't have to always look to a past president or a famous person or someone who exists in popular culture to provide this kind of inspiration or these nuggets that really stick with us. And I love that because it goes back to something that both you and Calvin said earlier which is kind of this idea that, you know, leadership looks different. It isn't always the person that's in the front of the room. It's kind of the people in our day-to-day lives who are helping us to meet our goals and to pursue our dreams. So I really love that example. Calvin, Shelby, thank you so much for being on the positive sip. I think you both exemplify 
what it means to be committed to the work that you're doing and committed to making Mississippi better. So thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. We really enjoyed it. This was really fun. And when Shelby told me that you wanted to do this interview, I was super excited about it. I hope so much success for you in this podcast. And I can't wait to listen to, to all of your episodes. In today's reflection on leadership, I wanted to revisit our conversation with Shelby and Calvin, and specifically the comments that were made about motivation. Shelby mentioned an Instagram influencer who talked about that motivation comes from choosing to take action and then getting results. And then those results then help to create continued motivation. I thought this was an excellent example of motivation. You've all heard, of course, that there are two types of motivation, intrinsic and extrinsic. Intrinsic motivation comes from our internal interests and desires to succeed or reach a goal or to create influence or whatever particular things or outcomes that we personally care about. Extrinsic motivation comes from things that are external from oneself. And those could be things like money or fame or perhaps recognition of some sort. And I would suspect that most of us can think of examples where we know people who are intrinsically motivated and we know people who are extrinsically motivated. And perhaps in our own selves, we can see both types of motivation. From a leadership perspective, as a leader, it is very difficult to, quote, motivate someone else. I think it's our responsibility as leaders to create environments where motivation can happen. And we create those environments by creating caring communities of support, by having conditions in which people feel like they can be successful, and importantly, investing in people so that they know that you care about their success. We often will not be in positions as leaders where we have endless resources, whether that's financial or human resources, whereby we can extrinsically motivate someone else. And so I would offer that instead, as leaders, we should really be spending time talking and learning from the people that we work with, that we care about, about what internally, what do they care about and what leads them to want to be successful. Shelby was referencing a fitness influencer. And in particular, I think the idea that we can't just sit on the couch and think to ourselves that perhaps motivation will suddenly strike us to get up off the couch and pursue 
a fitness regimen, but instead, perhaps, that we just have to go ahead and get up off of the couch and start toward our own fitness journey. And then when we see the results of that, it will help continue to motivate us to keep doing what we're doing. That same approach applies in leadership. And I think specifically about this idea of imposter syndrome when I think about motivation. Because in situations where we experience imposter syndrome, we are internalizing this thought that we are not valuable or worthy enough to be in the roles that we are in. And so rather than being motivated, it demotivates us. It makes us think we are unworthy. And so part of motivation is really about changing our own internal dialogue about what we believe about ourselves and what we believe about our capabilities. So for all of us, a little personal bit of advice Find a few, and when I say a few, I mean three, four, five things that you can say to yourself every single day that help you to get into a mindset of motivation, a mindset that you are capable and that you can do the tasks that are laid out before you in that day. You can look up lots of examples on the internet. You can write your own. People look in the mirror and say these things to themselves. People use them in quiet, perhaps reflection or in prayer, whatever works for you. But taking those few moments every day to reflect upon your own capacity and your own capability is one of the great ways that we can motivate ourselves. Thank you for joining us on The Positive Sip. We hope you'll be listening again for our next episode. The Positive Sip is produced and edited by Flora Dito, Carson Brantley, and Katie Corbett. 